Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Shake Sales. Today I got the man, the myth, the legend, uh, John Barrows. Uh, John, thanks for coming on board. Uh, you know, for the few people who don't know you, would you mind just doing a quick intro and then we'll jump in? Sure. Thanks, John. Appreciate you having me on here, man. Yeah, I have, uh, John Barrows, uh, uh, JV Sales, CEO of JV Sales here, do a lot of sales training for a lot of the tech companies out there and been doing this for about uh, longer than I probably want to admit. Uh, <laughs> but I still, you know, I position it as I'm not a trainer. I'm, I'm an active sales professional who, who just happens to train. I still sell every day. I prospect, I negotiate a close. And that's what I try to translate in real world uh, to the people that I work with. So having fun doing it and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Love it. All right. So we're going to jump into three big things. Right. Women in sales, how to get more, how to yeah. help guide that to where you're recruiting and helping guide more women into sales. Yeah. Number two, what's broken in sales. And number three, um, the hot topic. Uh, we wouldn't have an episode on anything these days or any piece of content without talking about AI and just yeah. how what your, ta your take on AI and, and using it in the sales process. So mm -hmm. first and foremost, so look, uh, Dude, tech is tech is 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 male dominated. How mm -hmm. how do you help get attract more women into it? I'm even trying to figure out how to say that properly. Yeah. Like, but yeah, how do we get one more women in sales? I'm gonna go back to <clears throat> um, something that I think this was back in 2018. I want to say uh, I did a podcast or I did a webinar called "We Need to Talk." And it was based off of the bro culture in sales. And it was triggered by, <clears throat> um, I went to a drift con uh, conference and my least favorite oh, yeah. person, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it here, uh, but my least favorite person, Grant Cardone, who represents this rep this profession in all the wrong ways, in my opinion, he was up on stage and he was talking about his wife in like just horrible, like as a, as an object, long story short. And it offended me and so many of the other women that I was, that I was connected to and a lot of other men, obviously too. And to the point where I did a, a I grabbed my phone and I just did a rant on LinkedIn and it exploded. It, it went really viral. And, and so we decided to have this conversation. We need to talk. And it was me, Lori Richardson, Trish Bertuzzi and uh, Casey Jones. And what we did, we didn't want to preach to everybody, right? So we wanted to have a very thoughtful conversation around this topic. And so we did a survey and the survey was a blind survey and it was a Google doc. And it just said, Hey, we're trying to come up with some content to help people make this transition and, and like get the bro culture out and attract more women and not just women, just anybody other than a white male. Right. And so the, we asked people like, hey, what are some questions that you want to ask that you're afraid to ask, right? So we can answer those. What are some scenarios that you face that are not overtly sexist, right? So we can understand. And then what are some positive things you've seen as far as, right? And first of all, I encourage everybody to go look at that. If you Google, we need to talk Jay Barrows, and I can give you two for the show notes here. Um, I, I encourage everybody, especially male leaders, to go in and look at that spreadsheet. Because what struck me so much about that was it was never, it wasn't the overtly sexist stuff that was preventing women from staying or, 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 or leaving sales. It, because that is what it is. I mean, we had some questions, people like, John, what do you do when you have a sexist boss? It's like, you quit. There's nothing you're going to do to a blatantly sexist boss, right? Yeah. But where we found, where, what I found was, was really uh, eye-opening for me was every example was all these little microaggression things, right? That, mm -hmm. and the women's... Uh, feedback was, John, if I complained to 
about every single little stupid sexist thing that happens throughout the day, I'd be labeled as a complainer and nobody would want to listen to me. But the problem is, is all these little microaggression things, they pile up and then one little stupid thing happens that might not seem all that bad, but it, it, it basically pushes us over the edge and we react. And now all of a sudden we're emotional. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, calm down. That seems ridiculous, right? So it was like, they're really in a lose-lose situation. And, it, and, it, and that hit on me because I consider myself a pretty empathetic guy, right? Like I, I really do think my mom raised me right. I've always been very thoughtful, at least I thought, and empathetic towards women. But I can't really be empathetic because I'm not a woman, right? And so then all of a sudden I remember having my daughter. And when I had my daughter, it was I was like, whoa, holy shit. Like understand, like seeing how people marketed differently and everything else. It really, I was like, wow. And then when I had this, I was like, oh my God. And I look back at my career as somebody who thought I was doing all the right things and thought I was being inclusive, but guarantee you that if I look back at sometimes where I was a leader of VP and I was running a meeting and it was mostly men and there was, you know, maybe one or two women in there, I guarantee you I said some stuff, maybe some jokes that were slightly off color or did some stuff that wasn't as inviting, but because I'm a good guy, they never said anything to me. You know, they just accepted it because I was better than the, the majority of other men out there that they had to deal mm -hmm. with. And so I think the first thing we need to do is take a mirror to ourselves as leaders, uh, especially male leaders, and, and ask ourselves the question, like, do I, it's, it's like, I'm not a racist because I have black friends type of thing. You know what I mean? Is it like, are you mm -hmm. not a sexist because you have women on your team? Is that why you're not a sexist because you have women on your team? Or are you, are you proactively trying to address this problem? It's no longer, I think the, the, you know, black lives matter and me too movement, all that stuff. What that told me was it is no longer okay to sit on the sidelines. And just because you're not that thing that you, you shouldn't say something or shouldn't do something about it. I mean, I have something tattooed on my arm that reminds me of this every day, which, you know, when my dad passed away a few years back, um, I was cleaning up his desk and on his desk, there was this little note and it said, when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. And that tattoo sits on my arm because it's a reminder of privilege. And this is where I want to actually change the dialogue around privilege. I actually want to take the word privilege out of the equation here, because when you say privilege to a guy like me, right? White male, right? This world is built for me. When you say privilege, I, my defenses immediately go up because I'm like privilege, like in my mind, like that means somebody silver spoon in my mouth, somebody gave me something and I worked my ass off for where I am today. So you telling me I'm privileged makes my defenses immediately go up. I want to change the word to advantaged because you cannot tell me that it's not an advantage to be a white male in today's, in today's society. And then as it brings down to sales, it's obviously mostly driven by white males and we all kind of look the same and we all hire people that are similar to us. So we have to be proactive about searching for different places to post your job openings, for instance, not just on LinkedIn. Like you have to go to the, you know, the, the black colleges, you have to go towards, you know, women colleges and you have to recruit from there. You have to be proactive about where you're looking for these. And then you have to do stuff like looking at your job descriptions and use and even the words. And now AI actually, I know we're going to get to that, but AI can actually help with this. You can actually ask AI, hey, how male dominant is my description of this job posting and, and replace some of those words so you actually attract more people. Like hitting, saying stuff on job descriptions, like, you know, crush your quota and all that other stuff. That is very alienating to a lot of women and, and people who are not that type of person. And we also have to get rid of this. I, look, I love sports. I love team, you know, team sports. I think it teaches you a lot. 
But I still come across sales leaders today that think that, oh, athletes, are, that's, that's who I have to hire. And it's like, you are so limited in your, what you're looking at from a addressable market here from talent. And all the data, we then, long last piece I'll mention is we have to then tie this to data. Look, there is plenty of data out there that this isn't just a good thing to do because you're a nice person. Like diverse teams sell better, are more effective, have more job satisfaction, stay in their companies longer. There's, I mean, there's all sorts of things that point towards why having a diverse team is beneficial. And so it's a recognition, it's a proactive thing. And then it's about, we have to go out and really start to cultivate this and, and try to do everything we can to even this, like to equalize this playing ground here. I love it. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot there. And it kind of goes from like very tiny things on a macro day to day basis to, um, um, to some bigger kind of hiring decisions. Uh, one thing I'll share, like what we did at Mailshake, um, you know, I think probably 2019, 20, 20 early where mostly like males. Um, and I grew up in like, I grew up in the, in the Bay area and like, it was just all diverse. So I, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I just didn't notice. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not a white male. So I was like, oh, I didn't notice. Right. But like, uh, but we, like, I saw a zoom recording picture and then we put it on our website. I'm like, Oh, there's a bunch of like dudes here. And then it's like, Oh, mm -hmm. mostly, you know, white male. So, so anyways, one of the biggest things we did as like an eye opening thing is like, Oh shit. Like just because I've got black friends or because like my whole community around me in my day to day is diverse. Doesn't mean I'm, I, 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 I can be unintentional about right. building and hiring. I have to be very right. intentional. The one, the biggest thing we did um, was actually shrink and cut out a, a bunch of crap from our uh, job descriptions. Mm -hmm. Right. So you, know, you mentioned like the gender, like bias, like analogies, crush your code, having masculine tone. But yeah. then there's also like, if you have a like must have requirements that are like requirements that are like 15 bullet points deep. Yep. Well, like, can you interview for those? What are the like three to five, six must haves, right? And so it, there's that well, study or like age old stat of, go ahead. No, I was going to go ahead and say the stat. I think you're probably going to say the same. Yeah. Thing. So, I mean, men apply to things they kind of qualify for. Women exactly. apply to things that they absolutely qualify for, yeah. right? So reality is we had like, I don't know, for a product designer, we had like must know Figma, right? Mm -hmm. and, and reality is like, okay, everyone this day does. Yep. And, and we didn't need that. And if they didn't have it, we would be able to tell first thing in a conversation or anything they sent over for an example. And so it was more of like a nice to have, not a must have, but anyways, long story short, uh, that was a game changer because we just got, we went from like 16% of women applying to 30 something percent. And that was our problem. It was like, it was like, we wouldn't, we couldn't get people to apply. Right. Boom. And that's the, the, I think people need to hear that stat because it is, it, it is actually proven um, that men, if a man thinks that they have 60% of the skills to be able to get the job, they will apply. And a women need one, women in their head need 100% of the skills before they apply. It's the same thing with going for a promotion, for instance. A, a guy will be doing a half-ass job at his job and doing okay. And he'll be like, Hey, I want a promotion because I deserve it. Right. Because I'm like, I want one. Right. Whereas a woman will think oh, I, I have to earn that promotion. So I have to excel at this job before I can even ask for a promotion. Right. So there's yep. all these little 
cultural things that we have ingrained in each other. Like we get promoted for the aggression and women get demoted for it, right? Think mm -hmm. about it, right? If a woman is aggressive, she's a bitch. She's hard to deal with. She's, you know, that time of month type of thing. If, if I'm aggressive, oh, he's, yeah, yeah, that's John. Like, oh, he's just strong a strong leader. Yeah, he's a strong leader. He's an A personality. He's a closer. And it's like, I mean, this, the disparity is, and, and you could look at it like literally the exact same action will get two directly different responses specifically and not just from male leaders from female leaders too because of the society that we've grown up in so yep. i think it's it's one of those things where that's why you use the right word and i was searching for it is the intentional you have yeah. to be intentional you can't be on the sidelines anymore at this point if you have quote unquote privilege if you have advantage i think it's really important these days to leverage that privilege leverage that advantage and be intentional with how you try to make it more inclusive absolutely and and a really good example of this like the women getting judged harsher for the same positive traits that a male would get complimented for mm -hmm. is uh i believe Ms. melissa myers uh old ceo of yahoo mm -hmm. um she came back to work after uh, having a baby like i think two weeks in right mm -hmm. and i don't know there's a bunch of press lots of people talking shit mm -hmm. i don't know about you but i took two weeks off for paternity leave when my wife had twins and they're like oh wow good on you for helping yeah. and i'm just like no like right. it's the same time Yes, I'm, you know, I'm not breastfeeding or whatever, but like so. that I got compliments. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, I felt like, you know, so, so anyways, we, we're, we're all on the same page. Let's, you know, I, I think the, I think there's a whole lot of things we can do and, and um, I'll link in the show notes that the, the content you're referencing also reference uh, a couple of things we did uh, as four things we did at Mailshake that helped kind of Love it. really slide things forward and it's, and it's moving a cruise ship over. It's, it's slow and, um, you get one or two more folks and, 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 and like what I found is like more female hires help us get more female hires. And I think at this point, like 60, 40 in terms of like male, female, but, but anyways, uh, I'll give let's... a quick plug too. really. And this is just Lori Richardson does a great job on this. And she just put out a book called she sells and it's super, it's, it's small, it's easy read. And it's a ton of great ideas in here on how to attract and retain more women in sales. So I'd highly recommend people take a look at Lori Richardson. She sells, it just came Love out. It. Yeah. Lori's a badass. I interviewed yeah. her a few, oh. few months ago. Amazing. Yeah. All right, let's talk about, let's move on to uh, what's broken kind of in sales. You know, I think we talked about this prior to recording, but uh, yeah, what wh it? where's your head at? What isn't? Um, first of all, I'll talk about two things. One is I think the model uh, is broken in sales. Uh, and specifically, I'll pick on the predictable revenue model um, that Salesforce made so famous, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, for those people who don't know at this point, that most people listening to this probably should, is this predictable revenue segmented the roles, right? So it, it, instead of being full cycle sales and having to do everything is segmented, you got the inbound rep, you got the outbound rep that makes cold calls, and then you got the AEs that close and then CS, right? And that was fantastic for uh, the SaaS growth companies uh, for the past 10 years, because you know why? theoretically, you would bring in cheap talent, right? Kids right out of school, you make them BDRs or SDRs, you beat the crap out of them, and then they grow into your AE, right? And and it provides this great, predictable, scalable model. Um, it's not great for the customer, never has been, never will be. 
Nobody likes to be handed off five times before they actually talk to somebody who knows what the hell they're talking about, right? So it's inherently frustrating to the customer because the, the transition between every single one of those roles, as far as the handoff, is never really smooth, right? If, if it was smooth, it might work, but it's never smooth. It's like they get qualified once, then they get flipped over to somebody who talked, and they qualify them again with the same stupid questions, then they drone through a stupid demo, then an engineer comes in, qualifies them again. So they're, it's just a frustrating model. So that's broken. Um, we we're watching it fall apart as we speak. And because of what's been happening in the past 10 years with a grow at all cost mentality, VC is just throwing money at companies at top line revenue and not really caring all that much about, you know, the quality, if you will, of that revenue that's coming into the table. It's just because evaluations were so absurd and we've over-engineered the sales process, right? We're trying to fix it with technology. Right. So we've stuffed all this technology down these poor kids throat and we've skipped the fundamentals, period. Like now and now that things are hard, you have a bunch of reps out there that don't know how to sell, quite frankly, because look, for the past 10 years, SaaS tech sales, and I'm going to say it has been relatively easy. I don't believe sales is ever easy. Sales is a brutal profession. OK, but SaaS tech sales has been pretty easy for the past 10 years. We've been able to get away with blasting out a million template generic cadence emails, you know, setting up demos with anybody with a pulse, asking dumbass bant questions, droning through demos and letting the engineer do all the work and then offering a you know huge discount to get the deal done. Like that's not sales. You know, that, 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 that doesn't take any skill. And that's why we've, and I don't think it's actually the rep's fault, you know, in my opinion, it is, it actually is leadership's fault. It's almost like, you know, everybody complains about like everybody gets a trophy, right? Like all these trophy, this trophy generation. Well, guess what? They didn't like, it's not their fault that they're the trophy generation. It's the parent's fault because I don't know how, how old are you, uh, Sujan? 39. 39. So I'm 47. So you're, we're close. I'm guessing when you were a kid, you're like, if you were bored in the house, your mom kicked you out of the house and said, go, go play, you know, figure something yeah. out. Like, just don't kill anybody. Don't break anything. Just come back by dinner. Right. And so we were able to figure it out. But now these kids aren't allowed to figure it out. Like we, we have put them into a box. And, and so you have the, 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 that trophy generation, you and I felt bad when we lost Okay. Like if we, if we played in something and we lost, we felt bad, but our parents were like, uh, well get better. If you want to don't feel that bad, then you have to practice and you have to get better. Right now the kid feels just as bad when they lose, but the parent now gives them a trophy, takes them for ice cream, that type of thing. Right. And it's the same thing with what we did to these BDRs and SDRs as leadership. We gave them these technology, these technologies, we gave them these tools and we taught them on the tools and the product, but we didn't teach them how to sell. And so now that things are hard and you have to actually sell and effort matters, grit matters, we haven't built that into these kids. And so now they're all falling apart. And so are the companies. And now, and now we're trying to replace it with AI because guess what? We, we taught these kids how to act like robots mm -hmm. and they acted like robots. And so now guess what? They're getting replaced by robots. And it's not even my opinion anymore. It is blatantly right. obvious what is happening right now. I can't tell you how many CROs I've talked to who have, if they haven't already gotten rid of their SDR BDR team, they're significantly restructured it, or they're seriously contemplating getting rid of it, right? Because it made mm -hmm. sense in a growth economy, but now that that rep, that SDR only stays in their job and their company, by the way, for an average of like nine months or something like that, now it doesn't make sense to have the SDR be the AE because they're not so investing in the SDR as a long-term play to be a full cycle sales rep is no longer the benefit of that predictable revenue model.
So that's why all these executives are like, all right, well, now that things are hard and profitability is tough, I'm going to shave that whole thing off, go back to full cycle sales and try to empower my existing team with better tools and technology and everything else. So there's a lot broken and we're watching it kind of all come to fruition right now. Love it. Yeah. So I think the, the my takeaways is like, learn the basics, get as a leader, teach the basics, get those basics in there. Um, you load people up with like, here you go. Boom. Everybody could sell in late 2020, 21, 22. Anyway. Everyone was, it, it wasn't that you're good at sales. It was everyone is buying like mm -hmm. the used like car dealerships. This is like, I'm a big car guy. I, I, I love Porsches yeah. and um, I went to go buy uh, a 911 and, right. and they didn't have the one I wanted. And, and the guy just didn't even follow up right. and it didn't matter because he sold the car later that day. Right. Like, Exactly. It's it, car sales. You're following up like 15 times, yeah. right? Like you're getting that deal done, right? Yep. What can you do to move that customer to the next step? Mm -hmm. Zero follow-up was needed to sell that, like, I don't know, $150,000 car or something like that. Um, anyways, that show, and now that's not the same thing today, but it's still not, it's, it's still a little easier than it was 10 years ago. It was way, it's way easier. Well, now it's hard, right? But yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where like, and this is again, I, I don't, we have to reimagine how we enable and train, right? Because it used to be like when I was getting into sales, right? In early 2000s, it, there was, there, there was no real technology, quite frankly. And mm -hmm. I actually, quite frankly, I didn't get very much good training either, but guess what? I was in the bullpen with a bunch of other sales reps and I had some sales leaders around me. And so mm -hmm. I would just pick up through osmosis. You know what I mean? Like just by being yeah. in the environment, I'd be like, Ooh, I like the way he said that on the phone. Let me try that. Or, Oh crap. Look at how my VP of sales, look at how she presented. That was insane. Like I'm going to do that. Right. So I would just learn by paying attention. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of these reps are sitting at home by themselves in their, you know, 600 square foot apartment. And they're just making calls in front of a phone and they don't really think about the person that they're calling. They don't, I, you know, you know, Morgan Ingram, right? Like I, I call yep. it the give a shit factor, right? Morgan came to me and you know, when he worked for me and when he first started, he was, he was doing really well and we created all these cadences and everything was going great. And then all of a sudden his results started to level off a little bit. And he was like, John, he came to me, he said, John, like, I'm, I feel like I'm doing all the right stuff here, but I'm just not seeing the results I would expect. What, 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 what do I do different? And I said, Morgan, your results aren't going to change until something does. And he said, what? I said, until you start giving a shit. And he was like, excuse me? I was like, look, I know you care about working here. I know you care about your job and everything. But until you genuinely start thinking and caring about the person that you're making a phone call to or sending that email to and thinking of them as a person that wakes up in the morning, has challenges, is you're not their number one priority to respond to in a fucking email. Like until you start genuine and then caring about what they do and maybe reading a job description every once in a while, talking to a few of them without trying to sell them, like until you care, your results aren't going to change. But once you care, man, and that's what's missing, right? Like the, the, the essence of giving a shit is hard to teach a kid in, in a remote environment, in a grow at all yeah. cost, in a, hey, hit your quota or else you're fired type of scenario. Yeah, absolutely. It makes, it makes sense. Um, I, I, I was, you know, first 10 years of my career, I, I just learned by walking over and like paying attention mm -hmm. and being there. Uh, being in the right room and I was trying to be the dumbest guy in the room. Right. But uh, that's just harder to do in remote and uh, you have to be intentional. We kind of, uh, one of the things I'd say, uh, I guess two things real quick. Uh, one is full, I'm a firm believer in full cycle sales. 
Yep. A E S D R. You got to be able to do. You don't have to be the best at everything. You know, you just got to be able to do it. Do yep. both parts of it. Um, we were on. We had this. You know, Mailshake. Our deal value. We're in the SMB kind of mid market. Is like for, for us, mid market is like ten k deals, right? Mm -hmm. Um, that's a big deal for us. Um, and ten k CV. But um, so like we couldn't afford to get an A E and S D R. We need like full cycle, right? Mm -hmm. And so everyone was just accidentally forced to learn full cycle and then they went somewhere else you know after a couple of years or whatever and they're like oh like wait i know to do all this other stuff like do you want me to just not do that they're like, yeah do that too right like right. but it's just so easy to forget right and and then leaders are like you're crushing your numbers you're doing well but nobody knows the fundamentals so um go to the fundamentals and you know better you know what better place than jay barrows to go learn the fundamentals right you got oh, yeah. <laughs> i think like once a week i get eight some content from your company, yeah. whether the video podcast, you know, one of your, you got, you got folks creating content as well yeah. from in, in our Slack channel. Right. So, uh, go on YouTube, Google, like just search Jay Barrows, go on the website, buy a course. Some of it's super yeah. cheap. We use, we actually use Morgan Ingram. One of the yeah. hacks that we did, we're super frugal. I don't even know if you know this. Yeah. Um, we just hired him through you guys, like oh, nice. through Jay Barrows yep. for like three hours a month. Right. And I'm like, love it. Here's the problems we're dealing with. Right. It's like a yep. thousand bucks, right, for the month. But yep. like, we got monumental growth in, in what we needed to do. So, anyways, uh, love it. do that. Right. So, go learn. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's move on to the last piece, which is AI. You know, yeah. again, <laughs> what, why we, should, we have to talk about AI here. Right. So, yes. everyone thinks like it's changing the world. Where, 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 what do you think AI is doing in sales? Uh, it, it's making a mess out of it here in the short term, um, but it will fundamentally change everything. I don't think just sales. I think this is a macro thing that they, you know, I've been through some stuff, right? At 47 years old, when I came into the world of business, you know, the internet was kind of barely a thing, you know, email was kind of barely a thing. So I watched the internet, right? And, and the impact that had. I watched when we got high speed internet with DSL, that was an impact. Then I watched cell phones, then I watched the iPhone. So all these things had pretty significant impacts on the world and and on sales. Nothing like what's happening right now with AI. AI is exponentially different um, because of its compounding ability to learn on itself and, and, and also the amount of information that we're giving it, right? So we're all eagerly firing away on these chat GPT things and all that's doing is training the model to get better and better and smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter. And so I think right now it is, it's, it's cool. There's some use cases. There's some really interesting things you can do. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I see a lot of efficiencies right now with AI, but I don't see a lot of results that people are talking about as far as, oh, it's made, you know, I've, I've been able to increase my conversion ratio by 70, you know, 22% or something like that. I say, oh, it takes me 22% less time to do this. Okay, cool. But I think, um, you know, and a lot of the platforms are, are integrating it, right. Which is cool. But a lot of them are just doing the the just because they need the publicity or just because they have to say they're doing something with 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 AI. So they're basically just you know bolting ChatGPT into the back of their platform and making it look cool. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of noise, um, but there's some real world application stuff right now going on. And I think the 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 way I would think about transitioning in this world because the, I think a lot of companies have to come to the conclusion here that what got us here is not going to be what gets us there and I mean that unfortunately as far as the process and the people right because that ten years and whatever it is like this is just a new world and so I think a lot of companies right now are faced with the decision of 
do I effectively rip and replace? You know what I mean? Like start AI native here because when they're reverse engineering and trying to include AI into something that they build, I mean, there's some unfortunately companies that, and I won't name any names, but that, that I saw what they did last quarter, you know, Q4 of last year, and they had created some really cool stuff that leveraged AI and whatever version they thought it was. And then all of a sudden ChatGPT came out and made everything that they had been working on completely irrelevant. And so things are moving so fast right now that it's hard to keep up. So uh, outside of ripping and replacing, what I'm suggesting a lot of companies do is they actually turn their sales orgs into a sales lab. So <clears throat> for instance, you know how, you know how like engineers, you know how you have, you know, hackathons, right? Where you pick yep. something and yep. you kind of nerd out on it and a bunch of people try to figure out what the solution is. I actually think we should do that with sales. Because look, all, all these reps know that AI is coming for them. They know it. They're not stupid. And executives, like guys like me who are like aged out, if you, I don't want to say aged out, but like I'm not, I'm not AI native. Like, and so for, for to rely on somebody like me to make a decision for my entire organization on which AI tool we should use, I think is a fool's errand. So okay. why don't we balance the, the power of both, okay? And turn our orgs into a sales lab. And my suggestion is Friday afternoons, two to four, something like that, right? Put it on the calendar and then pick a topic. So let's look, let's look at um, Salesforce. Salesforce just came out with their state of sales report a couple, like a month ago or so. And, you know, we've heard the stat that, you know, on a, they, they, you know, I think it's 37, only 37% of a sales rep's time is actually spent selling, right? The rest is admin and all this other stuff. And if you look at the pie chart for that, it actually breaks down by category, like, you know, implementing stuff in a CRM, admin, research, blah, 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 blah. Well, all those areas are areas that AI can support and, and do better than we can, right? Research, writing, like all that stuff. So pick one of those areas about the sales process and be structured to it. So it's not like the wild, wild west, oh, go figure out a solution in AI. But say, all right, everybody, we're figuring out how we can do better meeting prep using AI. Cool. That's the problem. Now, we're going to break up into teams and everybody go find an, a free AI tool right now that can help you prep for a meeting that you have coming up for next week. And at the end of those two hours, everybody's going to present their favorite thing that they found, right? And now, all of a sudden, you first of all, now that increases job satisfaction because now you're letting the reps play with the tools that they know they're going to get replaced, but you're doing it in a structured way so you're not all over the place. And if you find a solution that actually is free using some of this AI stuff, you could potentially reduce your tech stack and reduce your spend, right? So it's a win-win across the board and you transition into this world of AI as opposed to the rip and replace or pretending like it's not happening. So that to me is, is how I think we need to evolve here because the sales rep of the future, quite frankly, has to be full cycle sales and it has to be, you have to have the vision of like Iron Man or Iron Woman where you have the, you have the person, the suit, the technology and the AI. Right. Because if you think of Iron Man, like, uh, you know, Tony Stark as a human, he's great. But he, if he didn't have the suit, he'd get his ass kicked. Well, cool. The suit's fantastic. But the suit without Jarvis is just a hunk of metal. So you put all three of them together and you can go out there and whoop some ass. And that's mm -hmm. where that human last mile component should be. But we got to figure out a way to transition through this. And you have to start using AI because if you're not using AI, it's going to replace you whether you like it or not. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, you're kind of treating this as like, like coaching your sales team, right? Like this is, you know, weekly, you have, you know, yep. sessions on call reviews, whatever. This is the same thing. Skunk works thinking about this as a, how do we use it? An open-ended question and letting the team figure it out. Yep. I love it. Uh, well, there you have it. 
um, there's a, we, we, we talked about a whole lot of stuff. Um, and again, we'll link to a bunch of show notes here. John, where can people find you if they don't know? They don't know yeah, they live under a rock. Yeah, like you said, I mean, if you just go to the site, jbarrows.com, uh, you're going to see everything that I'm doing. You'll see the why behind what I'm doing and the membership. So I got individual memberships for 420 bucks a year. You get access to everything that I do, right? So my live sessions, my recorded stuff, all these workshops that I'm doing with AI for companies looking for this stuff, small businesses, five grand, you can get everything. And then for larger businesses, we can do that as well. And then if you just want to hit me up, you know, I'm obviously on LinkedIn. I, I hate to say this because it sounds like a humble brag, but it's not. It's more annoying than anything else. I've hit the three thirty thousand limit as far as connections on LinkedIn, so I can't accept any connections. But you can still follow me, little red, the little bell on LinkedIn. And then the easiest way to get in touch with me is actually uh, Instagram. So if anybody wants any free consulting out there, just hit me up on Instagram. The handle is John M as in Michael Barrows. I answer all questions. Uh, just hit me up with a little video. I'll get right back to you on that stuff if anybody is, uh, has any questions. Love it. Love it. And uh, look, if you want, I think my two cents on, on all your content is that $400 membership per rep. That's retain. That's the cheapest way to retain your team and level them up, that's right? Good. All access to all the content and then go ask John a bunch of questions whenever you get yeah. stuck. Um, right. Awesome, John. Thanks so much for your time. Um, appreciate it. Thanks, John. Appreciate it, man.